What up, what up? We are back here today with a brand new episode of the Sports Creative Showcase. I'm your host, Juan Morales, and as always, we are here to talk with the movers, with the shakers, and the people making waves in the sports creative industry today. For episode four of the Sports Creative Showcase, I am bringing on one of the most recognizable faces on YouTube in terms of the sports creative world, Peter Sorellis. You guys probably recognize him from other videos and content I've done with him, but you probably also know him for his incredible, resourceful YouTube channel where he teaches you how to make the best sports content on the internet. With Peter, we sit down to talk about his journey to becoming a full-time sports content creator, going all the way from the beginning when he would make high school basketball mixtapes for people not older than 15 years old, to now working with the CFL, making professional football videos for one of the most successful professional football leagues in the world. For full transparency, this may not sound like your prototypical podcast because to be totally honest with you guys, I messed up and I may have misplaced the audio card from my part of the podcast. Thankfully, Peter's audio was perfectly fine. So I ended up re-recording these for the video podcast, which is up on my YouTube channel. So the questions I'm asking, I'm actually just talking into the microphone on the camera ahead of his answer. So not really your typical podcast style, but his answers and the conversation we had were too good to give up. So here is that conversation with my questions here and there. So you may hear me pop in like this at times during the podcast. However, enough of me talking on rambling on. We're going to get straight into the episode. My name is Peter Sorellis. I'm a videographer and editor from Toronto, Canada. I specialize in sports videography, which is the intro I always give on my YouTube I channel. Say, I finally witnessed that intro in person. I say that intro every single time to the exact same tone on my YouTube channel where I make sports videography tips and tutorial videos. Sometimes we do vlogs going along on professional shoots and filming professional sports games and basically just helping you become a better creative and a better videographer, specifically focusing on sports. I also work full time as... I don't remember my job title off the top of my head, but I shoot and edit videos for the Canadian Football League. You're a content producer. I'm a content. I mean, yeah, I'm basically as a content producer for the Canadian Football League, and yeah, that's. I, don't know, I live in Toronto. Juan and I live. You're a YouTuber. Juan and I live close. I'm a I'm a YouTuber, and uh, yeah. One of my favorite questions to ask right off the rip when I'm doing these podcast interviews is what is your origin story? Because I think it is really useful for other people to hear how established creatives in the space got their start, whether it was picking up a camera for the first time or, you know, kind of just falling in love with this content world by accident. I think it's a really important question to ask. And that's what I get Peter to talk about here, how he started his origins and how he kind of built himself up to get to where he is today. It kind of started like I was on YouTube previously when I was like early, like my very first videos were on YouTube and it was basically just like a travel vlog type of thing, which I'm sure we'll talk about in detail, so I won't go into the specifics now. But I already had some experience filming myself and posting YouTube videos. I was having a lot of fun with it. So then when I got into sports videos, me sharing what I knew was one, a way to document my process and two, a way to help other people who I would have loved to have around. Like I wanted to be the person that new sports videographers can look to I want to be the person that I wish I had when I was first starting to make mm -hmm. sports videos and I didn't know like anything. I didn't know how to price myself. I didn't know like specific effects. Like I couldn't look up anything. You know what I mean? So I wanted to like be that person in that space because when I was looking for people who like made sports videos on YouTube and like looking for tutorials and looking for people whose experiences I could relate to, like there was no one out there because there's like no one who's like in their 20s making sports videos on YouTube like that didn't, didn't exist. exist. Well, so let's go back to the very start. So like, well, from university at least. So I, I was like destined to like basically like work in a bank, like work in business. Like that's just like what it was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah. Like I went to business school, a school in Quebec. 
and I, I, I didn't like where I was going to school. First off, I was like in a small town and like I'd lived in Toronto my whole life. So like I was just really not myself in that place and I wasn't enjoying my time there. Mm-hmm. But like I was doing this business degree. So I wanted to just get like a, as far away from where I was as possible because I didn't like it. So like I went on an, like an exchange basically with my university to Australia for a year. Because okay. it's like, where's the furthest place from here? Australia. Oh, probably Australia. The bottom of the earth. <laughs> but oh, I was no. living in Melbourne for like eight months. And I kind of wanted to like document my experience going down there. Because like it was a very cool thing. I really liked it. And I wanted to be able to like look back on that. But I didn't, I don't like writing at all. I didn't want to write a journal. So like, okay, how can I keep a journal without writing? Oh, I can film a video mm-hmm. and I can keep a video journal that way. But I had like this little GoPro and a bootleg version of Premiere on like a really not so good laptop. And I edited like 40, very bad by the way, and they're not public, so don't go looking for them. So I made like 40 YouTube vlogs on like this really bad GoPro. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like they like they were, they were all bad videos, but it was just like getting the learning process out of the way. Yeah. And like I discovered in the process that I love making videos. So by the time I got back to Quebec, like I only had one year left in this business program. So, but I knew like I love video and I wasn't sure what to do with that. But I decided like, hey, I'm gonna try to make a career out of making videos somehow. And I knew nothing about it at the time. So I actually finished business school because there was only one year left. And I was like, okay, I should finish this. We put so much time and money into it. Let me just wrap it up in case I ever need it. So I have a BBA right now, concentrated in finance. I, I never use it. Yeah. And then like literally I graduated in spring of 2018 and fall of 2018, I was enrolled at George Brown College for video design and production. Okay. And I was like in school for video because I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything. And like you can learn from YouTube, but like I wanted to like go make connections in person. Yeah. So I went to school for it here in Toronto. And honestly, the one year of college I did at George Brown was the best year of education I've ever had in my life. Really? And it's because college doesn't like care about like theory, doesn't care about history, doesn't make you read a textbook. It's like, hey, here's the camera. Here's how you do things with it. This is how things work on a set and this is what you have to do to get hired and it's very practical and that's exactly what i needed if you don't mind i'm going to moderately backtrack and explain yeah, why yeah, i yeah. left after saying that was the best year of education of my life and then we'll just like kind of work into it and i will answer it that. was a great relationship but it's over like that was literally <laughs> what you just said <laughs> anyways go on but yeah so but like while i was at george brown i was working for the student newspaper and like basically just posting whatever work I did there. And like an old basketball coach, because I played basketball in high school, hit me up and said they needed videos for their league. And then I started making sports videos that way. Now it's kind of my first gig in that. But the second year of this, so like that's how I kind of like was into sports. But then like the second year of this George Brown program was literally, hey, you know how to use cameras now, make a short film. Like I don't need to pay tuition to make a short film. If I want to make a short film, I'm just going to take the tuition money and fund it myself and do it. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, okay, this has been great, but I need to leave and go do something that's like different. So I was looking up different programs and like my mind was, I need to get a job. I want to work. And the Ryerson program had an internship at the end of the four years. So I was like, okay, I can go here. I can continue building my skills. I can continue building relationships. I can get more exposure to different people and I can keep freelancing and pick up whatever odd jobs come my way and that I can find. At the end of the four years, if nothing's panned out for me, there's an internship waiting for me and I can take the internship to get my foot in the door somewhere and get a full-time position. So that was the logic for transferring to Ryerson. And if there was no internship at the end of it, I wouldn't have come to Ryerson. I guess while I was there, it was just like, I saw an opportunity to shoot, to shoot for the Rams, like film sports through the university. And at the time I was only filming youth sports. So that was the highest level of sport that I had filmed. And like, I was making like ridiculous videos for like fifth grade basketball, 
But like it's still like there's a little there's kind of a cap on that like the skill level's you can not only there. Do so much with like a certain like area. Yeah. So then like getting that exposure like at Ryerson to film like different sports to film sports at a higher level and even this connection with different classmates to go and film different things and make different projects was awesome. I like I was I was posting my work and sharing everything the whole time. But when the pandemic hit and then we weren't even in person anymore, it was like I'm paying how much tuition to sit in Zoom calls and like not make anything mm -hmm. everything I, I found everything i was making was just me going out and making my own things and like freelancing and taking on personal projects and making uh, money and making and making actual money that i was then putting back into school to be on zoom calls that weren't leading me to anything so like i was gonna stick it out for the internship if i didn't have anything come my way but i was like actively applying to jobs and i ended up leaving ryerson when i got a full-time job offer to work with the Canadian League Basketball League, the CEBL, which is like Canada's domestic professional basketball league. And they saw all the basketball videos I was doing for Ryerson and for Uke Sports, and they offered me a position after like a whole interview process. Yeah. And it was like, it was very much like an entry level job, but it was like, okay, I can stay at Ryerson and keep doing like Zoom classes and whatever and get to some internship and I'll see where that leads me in like or two I years. Or I can go make whatever money is being offered to me right now and actually work in sports full-time and just make videos. Yeah. And it, it's no-brainer. From this point on, I start asking Pierre about his thoughts on education and, you know, whether or not you need a degree in order to get into this line of work. And this is something I've made a video about it before. I've talked a lot on this channel about whether or not you need school to be in this world. And I think Peter's story is a really good example and he gives a lot of really good context on whether or not you need education in order to be a sports creative. School's helpful. First of all, school is, Ab absolutely helpful not because of like the in-class stuff because that's only going to take you so far and no one in school is going to teach you how to be a good editor and you need to be a good editor but it's for the connections that you can make and then to leverage those going into the future you never know where people are going to end up and when one of the connections you made in university goes and works for a team or something and they need a freelancer guess who they're looking at the guy who they worked with for four years in university so those connections are valuable but your real is like gold that's the thing that's gonna get you hired and you need to be making projects outside of school that align with your interests and align with the field that you actually want to work in while you're a student and have the free time to do so mm -hmm. and that's way more important than like getting a 90 in all of your classes i'd much rather get 60s throughout everything in like a media program and have an awesome reel then get 90s and like never make a project outside of school. What I really admire about Peter is how hard of a worker he is. And I think the best part of his story is what he did before even getting close to working in professional sports first with the CEBL. So the next question was essentially how he carved his brand and created this image for himself in order to find these opportunities down the road. And I think this is one of the best lessons from this entire show is what he did before he even came close to working in professional sports, which is something I think everyone can take from, especially if you're just starting off like just making videos that were like at a professional level for non-professional leagues like is kind of like what set me up for success because like when i got to the cbl and i was shooting professional basketball the expectations were like nothing beyond what i wasn't already doing for like eighth graders and like elementary school kids playing basketball the videos look the same it's just like there's bigger faster stronger people who can jump higher in front of the camera mm -hmm. but like the actual content was the same and like it looks better when you get like guys dunking all game and stuff like that and yeah you know the plays like at a higher caliber like that just looks good on camera and people are more en en engaged by it but like from a technical perspective what i was doing when i was editing what i was doing when i was filming was the exact same as what i had been doing for two years for ryerson and for the canadian youth basketball league and for like men's leagues and whatever else right so like 
I was ready to do that job from day one. And I was like productive in it. Like I started following the league around when they did their bubble in 2020, just cause like I had mutual connections from like shooting youth basketball and shooting basketball like in different places. The Canadian basketball scene is pretty Who Who are like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a small scene. Who are like following the league. So like they would share posts and I would see about it. And then I was like, oh, there's a Canadian domestic league. Let me follow this. And they literally just posted on their Instagram. Someone said hiring video producer or something like something like that. And that post, I'm pretty sure still to this day, unless one of the recent J. Cole posts surpassed it, is the most commented on and engaged on post they've ever posted. That's hilarious. And there was like 900 comments on it or something. People were like, oh, job shooting basketball. So, so, so like it got shared around and this was during the pandemic too. So like people were getting laid off and like jobs were tight yeah, and yeah, sports yeah. leagues weren't running. So like this was like very, like a big deal. There was like a sports job. out. So like people were like sharing this, people were applying and like I just shot my application in because like I'd been doing this and like it was an easy thing for me to apply I, to. I remember sending it to you and I was like, dude, like. Yeah, I think, I, I think like seven people sent that job yeah, to me. Yeah. So like I applied for it and like we went through like two rounds of interviews in person and like a test project or something. And yeah, they just ended up picking me because they liked that. Like I was experienced in that very specific niche that they were looking for. And I was young and could grow with the company mm -hmm. and like, look, I'm not with, the, I'm not with them anymore. And like, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. But like, it was a great experience while I was there. And like to be able to work with the CEBL and like be there, I was their very first video hire. So like, not only did I get to build a portfolio with them, but I got to kind of like shape their digital presence with regard to video from where I started, which was, hey, we have all this archive footage bank that we had of this documentary production company shoot. What can you do with it? To like, here's like a whole team of people and we have a video strategy and we're just going to like do it and kill the social space. And we're bringing in players who are going to like look good on social and making this like a social production. Like it's night and day. Me and Peter both really understand and relate to each other on the sense of the realities of being a full-time sports content creator. So here I get him to talk about what it's actually like working full-time in the sports world for his first opportunity with the CEBL. We talk about things like work-life balance, how much you're actually working throughout, you know, a week and what that experience really is like. And I think it's a really eye-opening answer and a really eye-opening explanation for some people when they hear that, you know, this line of work does take a lot of hard work. And even when you get here, that hard work doesn't necessarily just stop. It's, it, I could, well, firstly, there's like two seasons, like in season for any league is like a huge grind, mm -hmm. especially come like playoff time or like around marquee, like events that the league markets, like you are working nonstop. It's like 12 hour days, just like going, 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 pumping out content. And then you get to like the off season, like after like, like a month after your championship for your season and like you're chilling, you're working like 30 hour weeks like nothing's pressing because the league's not doing any big marketing pushes. And like, if you're making videos like you work in marketing and your goal is to get people to spend money on the league, to go to games, to buy merchandise, to be a fan. And you're like, you need to drive revenue. So around any time there's a big marketing push, you're working really hard. And if there's no big marketing pushes, you're kind of relaxing and like have some downtime. So it's not like you get like a solid, like nine to five, 40 hour week consistently throughout the whole year working for sports league because it's more seasonal work. The next question I ended up asking him was, what was the biggest lesson he learned after his first full season working full time as a sports creative? And I think he gave a really good answer here about, you know, what he essentially took away from it and what he learned and what he was going to change moving forward in his career. Like just actually understanding what the grind is and how hard you have to work to make it was like the biggest thing because I didn't know how much I would be working when I joined the CEBL and like 
especially no working especially that. working for like a newer league it was like very much like a startup culture like all hands on deck like we're doing everything like even if stuff's like not necessarily within your scope like we just need people to help and we need to go and we need to get the job done and it was a lot of work it was a lot more than 40 hours a week there were nights where i couldn't have dinner with my family because i had to like go work a remote broadcast or something and like to understand that grind and learn how hard you have to work to make it like that's something i can always take with me i can apply that same like mentality and that same work ethic to any other job that i do now to kind of like get me through it and make sure that i'm producing at a high level and i'll always keep that with me flipping the script here a little bit because obviously we're talking about how difficult the road is to be a full-time creative in this sector and we talk about how much work it actually is i flipped the script and asked peter about some of his favorite memories some of his favorite pieces of work moments etc while working in the sports creative world because if we're being honest we get to do some pretty cool stuff for our full-time jobs. So I asked him to reflect on that and tell me some of his favorite moments and pieces of work. Yeah, championship weekend was a lot of fun. Like basically the CBL like does like a, so the semifinals and the finals for their league together in like one week and they pick a host city for it. Kind of like the Super Bowl. Yeah, they kind of make it like a Super Bowl-esque event, like obviously much smaller, but it was a very cool experience to just like do that. And that was my first like big event, I guess, that I filmed in sports. Mm -hmm. And just like to get flown out somewhere and then like be like on the grind creating content for like four or five days straight like this was my first that was my first time doing that cbl's championship weekend and it was a really cool experience to like do it all pump out tons of content before the event and then when you actually get to the event like everything's done and you just need to focus on filming the game mm -hmm. and then like to see like i think there were, like maybe five, four or five thousand fans in there because like it's a smaller domestic league we have like five thousand fans packing a place that seats like five thousand fans and like to hear how loud they are and like the energy in there of like people who like really care about a sport it's going crazy for it and you get to capture it like it's just such an electric feeling and like yeah. like like you can obviously relate to this with the stanley cup it would have been that like on steroids so peter is going to allude to this here but championship experiences are something that are a once in a lifetime event to cover i know personally from the stanley cup final i just got to shoot last spring it is truly something you will never forget but here's what peter's experience was shooting his first championship level event with the cebl firstly it's a lot of work because again being in video like you're in marketing and you need to sell tickets so like leading up to the championship, like we're creating a ton of content, just like push people to come to the event, generate excitement about the event. Like if we have like sponsored, like sponsorship fulfillment things or any like like concerts or like pre-event type of festivities happening before the actual game, like you're capturing all that stuff and you're pushing it out. Basically anything to drive revenue and push awareness, yeah. you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So like the days leading up to the event are very hectic work days wake up like at a regular time in the morning like eight or something yeah and like you're usually not doing too much work like early mornings because events happen later in the evening yeah. so like it's kind of milling around yeah like get breakfast have a workout whatever and then maybe you're at the event let's say there's a game is like four for example i don't know the games at four you get to the event to the like event space probably at like noon like maybe chill and like edit for a little bit you film practices or warm-ups any like signage like get empty stadium shots any establishing shots you need and then you're probably filming an actual like, game or event for two to three hours. And then let's say the game's like from at four, you film like four to seven, mm -hmm. get back to your hotel or wherever you're staying at. And then you're probably putting together content from wherever you filmed that day. Yeah. From like 
8 to like midnight, maybe maybe till 1 a.m. Yeah, maybe till like 1 a.m. or something. And then you're going to sleep and then you're waking up again at 8 a.m. and doing the same thing. Obviously, in this position, it's very exhausting and it can be really tough to stay inspired. So how does one stay creatively invigorated? I think Peter gives a really good answer on what drives him to keep being creative and how he keeps coming up with new ideas for his work. Like to an extent, like you said, you need like a couple things in your bag that like, yeah, you need you need a couple things that if you're in a pinch and you need to make something look like a little bit a beyond the ordinary, but you don't have a ton of time, you need a couple of things that like you're really good at and you've got the process dialed and you can just do it quickly. Automatically. Yeah, like automatic, this is done, this looks good. Mm -hmm. And, but like beyond that, it's like constantly like seeking information, trying to be like a, a learner for life basically Being a sponge yeah like you need to be like really eager to learn never all the time always the student absolutely and like especially like youtube is the best place to do it like i love going on youtube and just watching tutorials for things that like are so far beyond what i actually do in my day to day just to see the way other people do things learn different effects see how other people in creative spaces like go about their process and then get ideas from that and apply it back to what i do so just having like always seeking different sources of inspiration is like the best way to like keep things fresh i'm not saying copy anyone but like if you already do things a certain way and you see someone else do something a different way or they introduce some new sort of technique or concept to you, you can connect the dots in your head and be like, oh, I already do A, this person does B. If I do this and this and put them together, I can probably make something like that. Yeah. On the topic of editing techniques and learning new skills, I then turn the question on Peter to see if he has any go-to or consistent effects or you know techniques that he does when he's creating his videos. Obviously, you want to keep learning, but I personally think it's really important to have a lot of you know go-to moves in your bag, in your editing bag of tricks, in order to you know keep an edit moving along, especially when you might be creatively stumped. What is something he can lean on? And this was his answer. I was about to stabilize motions that, like that's like, like a really easy one like it's so simple to do that in after effects mm -hmm. and, and like love it. and people like it's like I, I don't know why people love it so much but people love it so i just keep doing it honestly like feel like like a little grain overlay with a slight color oh, yeah. with a slight color change to just like throw it over the entire video and just change the opacity throughout i actually have i made an overlay pack which is on my website like totally for free that you Link can just go below. that just go that you can just go download that like has these types of like things that I just like fall back on, like little flick film clutter type of overlays. Like, I love me a film burn. Like, that's, that's yeah, film yeah. Burn. Like, and you can just like go down. Don't please don't abuse them. Like, be thoughtful in the way you use effects and don't like use them without like an intention to draw yes. emphasis to a certain place. But like, yeah, I, I, there's a couple like overlays I'll just always fall back on to just like give the video a bit of a more stylized look. After talking a little bit more about video editing and video effects, we now turn our attention to where Peter is right now. And that is with this new opportunity with the CFL. So I asked him to talk a little bit about how he found that opportunity and how he transitioned from the CEBL to the CFL earlier this year. Like I had been doing, I've been filming basketball, like basically since I started at this point, it was like three, four years and I love filming basketball still. And I had gone through like the whole ringer with the CEBL. I went through like a full season cycle. I, I basically did two full off seasons because I left right before yeah. the, uh, the, the next before season. This season. Yeah, before this current season started. And like, I was just looking for a way to build my portfolio in a new direction. And that's not to say like, I'm turning my back on everything I've done previously, but I just wanted to the have the opportunity problems. to like, to keep learning. I felt like I was like too stagnant and I wasn't learning anything in, in the CEBL because like I had just been shooting basketball for such a long time and there was like kind of a cat. Like I can learn like the subtle nuances of the craft, but I wanted to really expose myself to something that I hadn't had exposure to and I have to tackle a new beast. And I, I think that's a lot of fun. So like I really never filmed football. I didn't really edit football it's videos. It's, it's, a, it's a lot so of fun. 
Football's one of my favorite sports. So like this, like the CFL was like a new challenge for me. It presented, and like it was already a league that I, I was kind of interested in. And like I, I, when I was a young child, I was like a big CFL fan. Like I loved the CFL. Mm-hmm. So like this, was, it was something that I was interested in already. It was something that could be progressive for my career. And when they posted a job, I just thought it was like a really good opportunity. So I, I applied and I had actually already freelanced with them a little bit previously, thanks to a connection that we, that I'd had. And yeah, things just worked out. They liked my work and they wanted to give me a shot and we've just been going with it. Obviously it's, it's a little bit intimidating leaving an area of comfort and going somewhere where you have to like start fresh There's new procedures to learn. You have to learn new names and faces and like no one really knows who you are and you have to like reestablish yourself. Like that is a little bit intimidating, but like I knew that I was capable of doing it. And like, I, like I know that I'm good enough to work for any league in the world. Like I'm not worried going to any space that like I can't hang. Cause I know I can hang. Honestly, it's been a lot of fun. Firstly, the, just the content that I'm editing on a daily basis and the content that I'm filming when I have the opportunity to is like so engaging. I have so much fun at work. Like it's awesome. It's and not like, work. You just, you're yeah, just having fun. It's, it's like, I would do it for free, but I just get paid, which is great. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, obviously that doesn't mean like every single project I'm like super in love with and you're never going to have a job where you you're love every single project. You're always going to have those marketing videos that like you have to do and they're not really engaging, but it's part of the job. Absolutely. And like every job is like that where like you can't, and you can't, and not every project is a passion project or else it wouldn't be called that. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I just like, I, there's a lot of like creative flexibility where when the opportunity presents itself, I can work on projects that I feel more strongly towards, which I really appreciate. And everyone's really understanding. I have great work-life balance where like, if there's concerns, if I'm feeling burnt out, I can express that to someone and it can be attended to. This is a really fun part of the conversation for me because we both worked in the CFL at some point. So we really understand what the Canadian sports scene is like. So we start discussing on how Canadian creators can find opportunities in the sports world with leagues like the CEBL and the CFL. And I also am getting to talk about some of the experiences he's already had, including his trip out to Halifax for the CFL's East Coast game. So like it's very much recognized and people know what it is. But the digital presence didn't come along any faster than like, like when social media came, that's when their digital presence started. You know what I mean? So it's still like a building thing. And I feel like like the NBA, the NHL, like, like these companies just have like so much money to throw at hiring so many people in so many different markets for like their 30 different teams that they built out a very specific, like specialized digital presence very quickly. Mm-hmm. And not everyone has NBA money where you're getting like an ESPN broadcast deal worth billions of dollars and you can build a digital presence in a day. That's something that's like really hard to build and takes a lot of time. So like we're slowly going through the process of building that and being creative and finding new ways to get people engaged and, you know, get eyeballs on video content. And I, I, it's a lot of fun to just get to build it out. Halifax is awesome. Now that's my second time traveling with the CFL. I also, for the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, flew to Chicago to film an interview. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, because there was there was like one member who got inducted who wasn't able to travel. So then we went to him and filmed an interview. So I just got like a trip to Chicago basically to film an interview, which was great. And uh, yeah, Halifax was awesome. Like, firstly, Halifax as a city is a great place to go and just like spend a weekend. It's like so nice. It's right on the Atlantic. The food is amazing. It was it was so much fun because people out there are so hungry for football. Like they want a team, and they love football. And then the fans travel so well. Like the like there were so many people who came from Saskatchewan to Nova Scotia to watch one football game. It, it's it's like a four hour flight. It's, it's halfway across the country, and it's a big country. Yeah, it's like a four hour flight to watch one football game. Mm-hmm. So like, 
to see how enthusiastic everybody was and like the amount of people that showed up like they brought temporary bleachers into a stadium That's and awesome. packed 10,000 people into a small college stadium and the amount of noise and excitement that was in there it felt like 50,000 people That's unreal. yeah and like they did like there was like a whole festival around it like within downtown Halifax and and like over the few days beforehand so we were kind of like doing festival coverage of all these different events and practices and creating digital content out of that leading up to the game and then actually filming the game and further promoting that so like it was a good game too it was a really good game it was a very competitive game Toronto won off a pick six didn't they yeah Toronto won on a pick six but uh yeah even like before the uh before the game we were like doing videos asking the people questions about Atlantic Canada and cutting it into like montages like my boss went out and filmed a video on a fishing boat where like two oh, players, players. Yeah, two players that. went lobster fishing. That's yeah, like it was a very unique experience all around. I think everyone got a little taste of the Maritimes and kind of got like not only like a professional memory, but also a personal memory yeah. they can bring back from that trip. And I really value that. Keeping the CFL train chugging here, I then ask him to tell me about what he's excited for this upcoming season. Now, keep in mind, this episode is obviously going to be releasing in and around time of the Grey Cup, and this was unfortunately recorded a few months ago, but I end up talking to him about what he's most excited for, including the upcoming Grey Cup in Saskatchewan and his previous experience working in Hamilton in last year's Grey Cup, but that time as a freelancer. Oh, well, for sure I'm excited for the Grey Cup. Like This will be my second Grey Cup working, so working with the league. The first one I did last year as a freelancer and this one i'm actually going to be full-time staff working the great cup which is like the canadian football it's a super bowl huge event though yeah it's like it's like you're getting fifty thousand people into a stadium where and is this here? it's in regina they love their football like nothing i've ever seen before That's so that, i'm really looking forward to just the energy in that place i it's probably gonna be the biggest sporting event i ever film mm -hmm. like it's gonna be nuts um i'm gonna be traveling a lot for playoffs like when the playoffs are happening i'm gonna be doing a lot of coverage like in different cities this part is really interesting because we end up talking about last year's gray cup in hamilton he ended up going to shoot the game as a freelancer and we started to talk about the differences when it comes to covering a game as a freelancer for the cfl versus obviously his current position now as a full-time employee like leading up to it i was basically like working on a lot of interviews so we were filming pieces with players who are nominated for like player awards like, like most outstanding player and things like that and so the experience leading up to that was really cool just to like i wasn't like fully immersed the same way you'd be if you're like a full-time employee but just to like kind of get a taste and see the way that people do things and mm -hmm. like the way things operate at a larger scale event for the first time was phenomenal and then to actually like be in the environment like to hear the number of people who were there who were so invested in a particular thing and then to have the privilege to like capture all these people having the best time and then create something out of it like to do it at that level is something i hadn't done before and once i did it i was addicted mm -hmm. did i have a media credential to get on the field no. no was i on the field at the end of the yeah. game yeah and like i was there there was no like malicious intent here like they can't they can't give field access to everyone like, and it was also covid and, 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 and it was covid and they need to be careful about the people that they put out but like look i explain I, I go to the security guy he asked me if i have a pass i show him my pass i explain to him hey this is what i'm making i need to get this shot can i go get the shot and i got the shot like you almost feel like a little bit of the emotion that they're feeling obviously not to the oh, same like obviously not to the same extent because you're not nearly as invested as the people involved in the event are but like the raw emotion in moments like that is 100 contagious and everybody in the venue can feel it oh yeah and the you're best tearing up a yeah. little bit yourself like oh like even so i've made videos before around championships and when i watch them back i get a little teary-eyed because you can just see how much people care and you can sympathize with that and relate to it go at it what's mm -hmm. your favorite part about shooting football yeah like 
one it's a new challenge and i love that and i think i've touched on that already so i won't go on about it but yeah just like there's so much more raw emotion that the players exude because of the physical nature of the sport so like like i'm going to use an example from last night and i'll send you this video clip so you can include but i was filming a game last night in hamilton and there was a clip where a player on the Mon- on montreal was returning a kickoff and a guy from hamilton like ran up on him completely like re- completely read his move and just rocked him took him down and then he crawled on all fours like five yards got up looked right at me and started beating his chest and yelling and it's like there's very few other sports where people exhibit that level of emotion and when the shots that have that type of emotion are the best ones that you want to share forever so like like that shots in going in my demo reel this year i'm like i'm gonna post it on my instagram like it's awesome going to be on your like your gravestone at some point like, and I like, like this and there's gonna there's so many moments like that that you can reflect on this is just the one that's in my mind because i filmed it yesterday last but certainly not least i asked peter to answer i think what is going to be a recurring segment on this podcast and that is who would be in your starting five of all-time sports creatives if you had to work with five people on a project who would it be and this was his answer i was gonna be super biased and like say all my friends first yeah so yeah like you Colin, uh, Pete, Pete, Pete for sure. Actually, I want to go to Atlanta so badly just to like grab a beer with you, Pete. Like, I'm, Yo, like, Pete, fly us out to Atlanta on the MLB bunch. Uh, like, I'm like, I'm coming. I'm gonna like make a vacation out of it. E from Beyond the Game. E, yes, yeah, yes. Man, I got, I gotta put E up there. Like, what, what a good guy. Just so, I've, I've like, talked to him a few times. Super dope, dude. So, so E for sure. How many of that is that four? That's four. You got one more. Oh, me. You okay? There you go. Where, where can the people find you if they don't follow you already? All right, so my YouTube channel, if you just search Peter Sorellis, or that my last name is tough to spell, so it's like Peter S-A-R, I'm going to come up. Or you search Peter Sports Video, come up on YouTube. Look up good-looking Greek guy, talks about sports on YouTube. Yeah, but it'll, it'll be in the description anyways. And then um, my la- it's at P. Sorellis, S-A-R-E-L-L-A-S. I'll have everything in the on, on all On like all channels, except for YouTube. I totally lied. We have one more question. And this is one that obviously I've asked in every single episode and I will continue to ask. And that is, what is one piece of advice you would have to someone who is just starting off or doesn't really know how to get started in the sports creative world? And I think Peter gives one of the best answers we've heard on this series so far. Make something and post it and then make something again and post it again and just keep doing that. Don't think twice about it. If you make something, post it and just make things that you want to do professionally. Because when people see something online that you do, they're going to hire you for that thing. Okay. And that does it for this episode of the Sports Creative Showcase. An absolute pleasure having a guy like Peter on here. Even though him and I talk really frequently, it's always great just to sit down and catch up and just, you know, talk shop. And I love hearing his story and I loved sharing that story with you guys for this episode. If you guys don't follow Peter already, which honestly, if you haven't and you're listening to this, I'm really surprised you're not. Make sure to go follow him across the board on all socials at Pisarellis. I will leave all of his links down in the description below, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Go follow this guy. He has a wealth of information and he's helped me and so many other people grow their brand and grow their skills as a creative. As always, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Sports Creative Showcase. If you guys enjoyed it, make sure to leave a rating below, leave a review. It helps me a ton grow the podcast and also... Like I said before in other episodes, this is always on YouTube a week ahead of the release date. So if you want to catch this early, keep an eye out on my YouTube channel. And then a week after the show has been out on YouTube, I'm going to be bringing it to these podcasting platforms. So just keep an eye out if you want that early access to the podcast. Thank you guys as always. And I will catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.